Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Jackie Wilson, self-taught runner-turned-run coach. She is a running coach for what she calls all the things, the things other than running, like nutrition, strength training, sleep, recovery, mindset work, mobility, self-care, the rest of it, the things we do to support our running that aren't actually the running themselves. The topic of our discussion today is burnout which is different from overtraining. Overtraining happens when you train more than you can recover, and there can be psychological aspects to it as well. Burnout is more of a psychological condition, and it can be caused by running or can be caused by other things other than running in your life or can be caused by just everything that is going on in your life to contribute to signs, symptoms of burnout. So, Anecdotally, Jackie and I are both seeing more and more burnout amongst the runners that we work with. And so identifying what burnout looks like, hopefully in the early stages, can help prevent runners from getting to those later stages of burnout when things get really serious. So please enjoy this conversation. I hope you learned something. We do talk a lot more about mindfulness and how to fit all the things you need to do, all the things (laughs) into your training without hopefully sacrificing too much of your time. Jackie, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So, of course, with all my guests, I always want to hear your origin story as a runner. So, first up, tell us how you became a runner and how you ended up as a running coach. Yeah, so it's actually funny that I am a runner because in high school, I played soccer and we all hated running. Like, that was our form of punishment, which I find to be very similar among a lot of runners. That was their form of punishment in sports. Um, But in college, I would always go to the gym and I would lift. I ran a couple, I would run a couple um, laps around the track, but that was pretty much it. And it wasn't really until 2016 when I just decided I was going to run a half marathon. Um, Ultimately, my, the really the goal behind starting to run and training for that half marathon was I I wanted to lose weight. um, But I soon figured out that was not really the solution as a female for what I really wanted to do. But I really fell in love with running. Um, But really, I realized that I needed to make other changes to my lifestyle to my my nutrition primarily. Um, So I worked on nutrition, really just focusing on less sweets. I wasn't really into the fast foods or anything, but um, my family is big on baking. So cookies, cake, all that sort. Um, But really just learning how to really fuel my body better and um, to really support the running that I was doing. Um, Because by then I was probably running 30, 40 miles a week and I needed to support that. So really just incorporating that nutrition and more intentional strength training for running instead of just going to the gym and doing the same thing over and over for years. Um, that really helped me tremendously. 
And within five months of really shifting my nutrition and my strength training, I had taken 45 minutes off of that first half marathon that I ran. I know it was crazy. I felt awful in my first half marathon in 2016. Um, I knew that I could do better by making those changes. And that's really what kind of just triggered that, that need to make actual life changing or lifestyle changes instead of just putting a mask on it and saying running is going to be the fix. Um, so after really that first year of running, um, I started running with some friends in town when I moved back, back home. And the, the shift that I had seen in my running versus their running was completely different. They were focused primarily on running, whereas running was just kind of a supplement to all the other things that I was doing. And by continuing to do all of those things, um, they talked me into running my first half or my first full marathon, which was something that I never even considered until I was um, at the time I was studying for the CPA exam. Um, so that was about a year out. Um, but sure enough, after running 20 miles in a blizzard with them one March, um, they convinced me to sign up for the Fargo marathon, which was in May. And I qualified for Boston first marathon just completely blew it out of the water. And I had been a little active on Instagram, um, just kind of dipping my toes in it and never really saw a lot of talk about what I was doing with my running to make those big changes and those big improvements. Um, so that's where I really just started talking to runners about like they had these goals but they kept on seeing reoccurring injuries or they were talking about eating less or they weren't seeing progress in their running. And I, I could not not share about what I had been doing to make the progress that I had in, in a two year period. Um, so that's really, really where I dove into coaching and just really um, helping runners incorporate these other things into their training because I really call it all the things, um, but I see a lot of runners just focusing on the the running aspect of it, the training plans, the base building, but what are they doing in the off season to support that base building, to support their strength training, um, to make sure that they're feeling their bodies enough. Um, so just raising awareness around all the other things is really where I have stepped into coaching. Um, so Yes, I have my run coach certification, but I'm really focused on all the other things that runners can do. Um, and a lot of my clients do have run coaches, which is incredible. So for them to really focus on their nutrition and getting enough sleep and all these other aspects of training, they have made huge strides. And, and that brings me just so much joy in raising awareness around the other things that are part of running that were never really talked about two, three years ago. And we're going to talk more about fitting in all the things into your training, <laughs> because for many runners, you're right. I mean, the kind of the primary goal, when I look at a runner is thinking, okay, are they training properly? And the 
training encompasses more than just running. Training includes the strength, the mobility, the nutrition, the sleep, the recovery, the stress management, the yada, yada, all of that stuff. But like the very front line for a lot of runners is that they're not even doing the proper kind of running, right? So the very first thing we do is like, well, let's, let's get them to do the proper kind of running they need to do to support their goals. And then a lot of runners just end up stopping there and they never really address those other aspects of their training. They think, oh, I found the perfect training plan. I'm running the right number of miles. I'm running the right kind of workouts. I'm running, you know, for what my running goal is, but they don't do strength training. They don't work on their sleep. They don't work on stress management or the nutrition. And that's, that's like the other, like missing half of it, you know, running alone is only part of how you train to run properly. Yeah, I agree. And really, like, if you have this long term goal of running beyond your training cycle, like you have to incorporate these other things in order to make running part of your lifestyle for the rest of your life. Like if you're doing the things right, it's something that you can continue to do. There's there's no time cut off where it says you can't run past the age of 40 or 50 or 60, even like you can continue on and I think that's one of the things that I love the most about running. And today our primary topic, we're talking about burnout, but I feel like this also relates to the concept of burnout because a lot of people tend to try to cram too much in and end up in one way or another experiencing burnout. So this is, this is all related is what I'm trying to say. Um, (laughs) But let's talk about burnout, because as you and I were chatting briefly before the show started, is that I feel like we are both seeing a lot more burnout than is normal. And of course, burnout happens. But right now, it seems that we're kind of in a huge burnout crisis among the runners that I tend to interact with on a regular basis. You're seeing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's scary. (laughs) I know what I've been through. And now like hindsight is 20 is truly 2020. Um, so I can recognize things in runners right away, not even runners, just people in general, but it's scary on how common it seems to be right now. So let's talk about then, like what is burnout and which people tend to say burnout and use overtraining and burnout interchangeably, but they're actually different things. So today we're talking about burnout, not overtraining. What is burnout? Yeah. So burnout is, I think, I think people use the term burnout when they're really talking about overtraining because burnout is, it's tricky to really figure out, like, are you truly burnt out? Um, So it is frequently used, but really it's, it's used to describe that feeling of low motivation for an activity that you used to love that brought you happiness, that brought you joy, but now it's making you unhappy um, unfocused, tired. And a lot of the times people talk about those feelings when they're talking about their career, which that's where ultimately the burnout started for me. Um, but that can transfer over to a hobby, a sport and, and so much more, but really running with, um, running burnout is no different. Um, the more often you complete that activity, the more likely that you are eventually to feel burned out. Um, so the lack of motivation, the, the lack of excitement for running or even dreading your runs, um, the loss of joy in it, it's, it's, it's different than the feeling of, okay, it's 100 degrees out, I don't want to run, or 
it's a blizzard and 40 below, I don't want to run. It, it, it burnout is different than that. So as runners accepting the fact that burnout is, it, it's challenging for us because we really pride ourselves in the ability to maintain our running hobby, even if life is hard or we're in a busy season of life. So you think about those busiest seasons of life or seasons of big life changes, running is usually your constant. Like that's the one thing that stays like string training gets dropped. Um, nutrition may dip down a little bit. You may be sleeping less, but running is always there. And the other thing is runners often have their identity wrapped up into running and and that's the one thing that they identify as. And I can relate to that, but considering ourselves as a runner sometimes feels like if you're not running or if you're not running as much, you're not a runner. And I think that's one of the reasons why runners really push through the lack of motivation. And and when you get to the, you talk about the physical signs and symptoms later, but they push through that because of the not wanting to say that they're not a runner because their identity is wrapped up in that. And, and a lot of times that worsens the condition of burnout. So it's, it's tricky, but it's important to really just be mindful and to really be in tune with your body and recognize that, okay, am I just not wanting to run in the current weather conditions or is this like a consistent feeling that you're having? Because if it's, if it's a daily feeling, it's, it's probably burnout. (laughs) And that, that is such a good point about runners, you know, the identity thing about I run and I am a runner, like that's who I am. Um, but also the fact that we are conditioned to run even when we don't want to necessarily that to, Oh, it's a hallmark of pride that you push past. Like I really didn't want to do this run and I did it anyways. And sometimes that you just need to, like, sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you just don't want to go for a run for no particular reason. You just didn't want to go (laughs) for your run. And like, that's fine. And, And so getting over that kind of, uh, roadblock in those situations is a lot different from, as you said, that kind of persistent, persisting feeling of dread, anxiety. I don't want to do this. I'm not having fun. I can't like seem to find the enjoyment in this activity. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think you put it, I think you said it very well in that, okay, am I just building up the habit and the routine and building up that dedication and commitment of the consistency of running to support the training that you have or just getting into running and building that into part of your life? Or is it really, no, this is part of my routine and maybe it's too much of a routine where you're just pushing yourself out. You're not really taking a step back to recognize that the feeling that you have isn't just I don't want to run today. It's, oh my gosh, something is actually wrong mentally, physically, or both. And I think it's also important to note that you can have like your primary source of burnout can be non-running related. Like it can be a career or a a life thing. And that burnout also affects your running, or you can actually have running be the source of your burnout in a way that isn't necessarily 
overtraining in the physical sense of overtraining. Um, I actually experienced burnout from running early on in my running when I, before I discovered the magic of easy running on easy days and I was running everything way too fast and I never actually reached overtraining, but I definitely burned out. And I I took like six months off from running where I barely ran for six months because I just needed to heal my relationship with what it meant. And then I read 80-20 running by Matt Fitzgerald and totally changed everything. But that, that feeling of dread and anxiety, I think is really unique to burnout because you're some, you don't want to do it, but you're not sure why. And you feel really bad about it. And like, you would almost rather do anything else in the world, except this thing, which you theoretically should love to do. Yep. Yep. I agree. 100%. It's, it's a weird feeling. And I think when you start questioning that of why do I feel this way? Like that right there has to be a sign, but I don't think that burnout's talked about enough in terms of running, but also anything in life that people don't really recognize that's what it is. Like I didn't recognize for the longest time, the feelings that I had and what it actually meant or what it actually was until it was too late. And there are actually signs and symptoms like burnout is a studied condition. And now that you have the unfortunate benefit of (laughs) hindsight, but going back and talking about, okay, like what are the signs and symptoms of burnout? If somebody's experiencing earlier stages, what does that look like? How can we catch this early on? Yeah. So I think really, and you had already alluded to it, like running can come or the burnout can come from running, but it also can come from other aspects of your life. So I think there's kind of two parts to that. So the signs of burnout from running, um, maybe you're feeling exhausted all the time or you're not recovering well. And I think, again, it's tricky because you're taught to power through or run through with those heavy legs to really um, help build that endurance. But at the same time, do you run on heavy legs every single day? Like if that's, again, a daily feeling, take a step back and, and figure out, okay, am I not recovering well because I haven't actually taken a rest day or I'm training too hard or is there something else that's going on? And burnout can can really transfer into your other aspects of your life. But are you not sleeping well? Are you are you not able to fall asleep at the same time um, or at your usual time? Or are you actually waking up? For me, it was at 2 a.m. every single day and I had no idea why. Um, maybe you can't decide if you want to run today or not, or you keep on pushing back your run, or you're, again, you're dreading your run. You have no motivation for that. You keep putting it off. And maybe while you're running, you keep on thinking about, well, why am I even doing this? I don't enjoy this. I hate this. I, I don't like this feeling of running tired or running on heavy legs. But again, it, it affects all aspects of your life. So maybe that's, maybe it's impacting your nutrition. Like maybe some people experience that last, the lack of appetite, but others overeat. So just really digging deep into that root cause of what is actually causing my feelings that I'm having towards running or or why don't I want to talk about running to others or why don't I want to run with the friends that I usually run out or run with. Like those are some of the main symptoms that I see that come from running burnout. 
And you actually identified in a recent post the kind of stages of burnout. We have like, oh, the five stages of grief. There are actual stages of burnout that we can identify and say, this is, you know, this is kind of the progression of like how burnout starts and like where it goes to. Do you want to briefly run through those? Yeah. So this was like completely fascinating to me because I had no idea there were 12 stages of burnout either. Um, But once I just started digging more into burnout to understand what it meant for my journey, for my healing journey, but also to recognize it in others or even as I still continue to heal my body, I I'm going back through some of these stages. So it's, it's just that awareness factor so that you can recognize and you can kind of talk through the feelings that you're having. I think that's important. So 12 stages of burnout. Um, it starts with really that excessive ambition or like the ability, the want or the need to prove yourself. And in running, maybe that's running a PR every race, or maybe that's throwing easy running out the window and running all your runs hard, figuring out or proving to whoever, but really just to yourself that you can run a sub six minute mile or a certain time for a half or a full marathon or a certain distance even. Um, But then with that, that need to prove that you're worthy or enough of a certain pace, which seems taking a step back, like, no, like everyone is worthy and everyone's enough, but you have to start working harder and you're, you're putting in probably more hours of training um, in, in burnout, in a career or life that's working long hours. That's the inability to turn off that switch to work. Um, but that also can transfer over to running again and the inability to turn off thinking about training, thinking about running, thinking about your strength training, even if you are doing all of those things, the inability to take a break and spend time with family, that that can impact all aspects of life. And when you get to that point, you are oftentimes neglecting self-care. You're neglecting those rest days. You think that you have to run more miles or train harder and that leads to maybe running every day or running more miles than your run coach has on your training plan. Um, maybe that's, again, it, it, it dips into that overtraining aspect, but maybe you're not sleeping as much. Um, maybe you aren't eating enough or you're not eating the foods that are going to help you recover. And after you get to that point of really neglecting your needs, you come into a place of conflict. So that's the fourth, um, the fourth stage of burnout where you dismiss the problems that you have. You feel panicky. You, f- you feel jittery. Um, you're not really sure why you're feeling this way again. But the longer that this goes on, the worse that it gets. And pretty, sh- pretty soon, that's your only focus. Um, there is no time for family. There's no time for anything else. You may be putting off your work tasks because you're solely focused on your training, um, which can cause a lot of other problems. But after that, you get into the denial stage. You deny 
when other people bring up that, hey, you're like obsessed with this training, we need to cut it back or something is wrong. Maybe you have physical symptoms that are showing up and people try to help you. But again, not everyone knows about burnout and they may not know how, how to help you either. So they may just address it differently. And then because people are coming to you and you're denying that you have problems, you withdraw. You withdraw from that social life. You withdraw from interaction with others, which can be extremely hard. And I think once you get to that point, you are in the deep stages, the, in the trenches of burnout. And that's when it really starts to take a physical toll on your body, um, not only physically, but mentally. So feeling the brain fog, the memory loss, the heightened sensitivity to the way that someone asks you a question or makes a comment, even though there was no intention behind it, you snap at them or the inability to concentrate, like brain fog and the inability to do the work that I needed to do in my public accounting job. I didn't understand why I could not do it, but I literally could not think or focus. And that was huge for me. Um, so I see that very, very, that's bad grammar. I see that a lot in people where they just cannot focus and they have a lot of brain fog and they just push it off as, this is what it is. I'm tired or um, I'm not getting enough sleep, but there's a cause behind that. And then we get to the next stage, which is your loss of contact with yourself and your own needs. So you don't really see yourself as valuable. Like you kind of, there's that depersonalization and anyone that has dealt with depression knows what that feels like. And until I had experienced that, it's something that you can't even imagine. Like you just can't even really describe it, but you get to this point where you don't feel valued and you don't also, you also don't value yourself. And then that leads to that really inner emptiness and anxiety. And a lot of people um, really, they become addicted to certain things. Um, sometimes it is the alcohol or the food, but other times it, it may be just be running. <laughs> so it's that constant cycle of, okay, you're burnt out from running, but then running is also what you use to cope with your stress. So because of this, this feeling of emptiness, you start running even more and that can become an even bigger issue. Cause that's just creating that feedback loop of worsening conditions. And then we get to the depression, the increasing feelings of meaningless and lack of interest. And the last stage is complete burnout, physical, mental, or oftentimes both. And a lot of times that means full medical attention. So I don't know if, if people are listening to this podcast right now and you haven't listened to the podcast on stress, I highly recommend it because it is incredible and it talks all about it but when you are physically and mentally burnt out that burnout impacts your gut health which impacts your hormones which impacts um your mineral it, it impacts everything in your body and the brain and the gut are connected so if 
if there's something going on in your gut, it's impacting your brain, which is causing that that brain fog. So it's again, it's just that constant loop. And that's where it gets very, very scary. So those are the 12 stages. It's, it's fascinating to look back at my journey and being able to pinpoint exactly when I hit each of those and um, recognizing what stages people are in and, and what's okay, this is, this is where you are in the 12 stages of burnout. And this is what you need to do to kind of get out of it and to recognize the different things. I think that's the most, the, the awareness is the most important point of the 12 stages. That's, this is such a fascinating progression because you're so right. And when you look back at this and anybody who's experienced burnout, you can think, oh, that was stage five when this happened. Or like, oh, that was when I really should have taken that extra rest day or like maybe not signed up for that third marathon (laughs) and, you know, all this stuff. And, um, and thank you for episode 32 is the episode about stress. And this is, this burnout is basically another way of saying, you know, burnout stress that like when you're, you know, having a a breakdown um, from accumulated stress. But I think, you know, as you've, as you were describing the 12 stages and I was thinking in my head, I'm like, there is a script I can almost, it writes itself for one of the really most common storylines of how runners can experience burnout is that they set a huge giant goal. They work towards it probably a little bit too hard. Then they can't stop working towards it. Then they, then they start, you know, neglecting their needs. Then they start feeling, you know, like something's wrong. Then people start saying, are you okay? I don't think you should be running this much. And you think as a runner, like, of course, the rest of the world doesn't understand that like, yeah, it's completely normal to run 60 miles per week for marathon training. (laughs) So you're kind of in denial and you're like, no, this is just what runners do. I'm totally fine. And like, it just keeps going and going and going and going. And then like you end up, your body basically at some point will say you need to stop and it shuts it down and you don't have a, you don't have a say in it. You will just shut down one day if you keep going down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so hard because you want that commitment and that dedication to a goal, but you also have to distinguish, okay, yes, I'm pushing to this goal. Is it too much? Is it too much for my season of life that I'm in? Is it too much for the time period that you've placed on yourself? Like there's so much that you have to consider. And that, again, that's where it gets tricky to figure out okay, is this, is this something that my body can handle or is this something that I'm going to burn out from or maybe already have burnt out from? And that season of life thing is so key. And I feel like it's so much more relevant in the past year and a half with COVID because everybody is pretty much just a little bit more stressed, maybe a lot more stressed than we were before COVID. And that has definitely impacted some people's ability to train as hard as they did before. I mean, I've had runners say, I am literally repeating the exact same training I did two years ago, but I'm like, I can't do it this time. Like something's wrong. And I'm like, well, like you're probably just a whole lot more stressed as a baseline right now than you were a couple years ago. And that that's why it's really important to understand not only what your goals are, but like where in your life are you at this time? Like, do you have a new baby at home? Probably not the time to train for a marathon. <laughs> 100%. And, and it's that awareness of, where, where are my work priorities? Where are my family priorities? And 
does training for a huge goal for a marathon or a half marathon fit into that? Or do you need to maybe wait six months before you dive into that? And that's really where you can start working on those other things. You can start working on just base building and, and doing the little things that are going to help you get toward to that big goal, maybe easier than it would have been if you were to start training for it now. So if somebody is experiencing burnout at any stage, you know, obviously kind of the earlier on you catch it, the kind of the easier or the shorter the comeback can be. But talk us through, like, how do we come back from a place where we're burned out? Yeah. So again, it's going to depend on which stage of burnout that you're in. Like I caught it at the last stage, so I had no choice, but to stop running. But the, the one thing you are going to really need to, to consider is, are you still finding joy in the, in the goal or in the seasonal life that you're in? Does running even have a place right now? Or is it maybe just better for you to take a month off? Like I see a lot of runners, they'll take a month or two off and maybe it's the perfect timing for them. Maybe winter is here. Um, like that's a good time right there, but taking a, taking a break from running can be a good thing, especially after a big race and to find joy in things that maybe took a back burner when you were training for that race, but to really just embrace the season of life. I think that's important, but coming back from burnout, um, you have to be patient and, you can't place a timeline on it because that timeline is only going to provide disappointment because your body does not have, um, it doesn't have a clock. It does not say, okay, you gave me two months to heal from this burnout and to get back to that baseline. We're going to run today or we're going to feel good today. It doesn't happen like that. And if you push it and you, you start, training again too fast, you're likely going to find that burnout faster. And you may even kind of skip through some of the stages faster too, which, which is a scary thing, but recognizing that burnout isn't, it's not a sign of weakness. Like a lot of times I find that burnout from running really signifies that there's also something going on in your life that you have to address. So even the most dedicated athletes will experience burnout at some time in their life. But burnout's really just your body telling you to slow down and to really be present in the moment and be grateful and appreciate what you can do, what you do have. Um, and, and to really just analyze is everything that you're doing right now, is it serving you or is there something that is not serving your life? Is there something that you can not necessarily get rid of but maybe it's just not for the season of your life, um, but to really address it and to solve it and to figure out, okay, I'm burnt out. Why am I burnt out? What do I need to do differently as I get back into running? And, and as you get back into it and whether you completely stopped running or you just cut back mileage or you stop training, um, think about what changes you can make because you don't want to repeat what you have been doing, especially right now. If you're burnt out from extra stress from work or just life in general, 
if you just take a step back from running and, and get back into it and don't change anything, it's probably going to happen again. So maybe that means prioritizing sleep more or taking a different approach to running, um, being more mindful with your running, becoming more in tune with your body, um, removing pressures from prior performances. Like that's been, that's been a huge thing for me is to remove the, the goals that I accomplished and the progress that I made in like three years of running and to say, no, this is, this is a totally different season of life. Um, I'm also a huge or was a huge perfectionist being type A accountant and everything. So numbers, like my life revolves around numbers. So removing that performance pressure from myself is huge. And yes, runners focus on numbers. You focus on pace, you focus on distance, you focus on monthly mileage and and how fast you can run a 5k or 10k or half marathon or whatever. But if you have unrealistic expectations for the seasonal life that you're in, you're going to have, I don't even know what the word is, but you're going to be let down. You're going to feel disappointed. You're going to feel less worthy, even though you shouldn't, but that pressure um, places a lot of stress on yourself. And, and if you take the approach of really making some small tweaks and enjoying the process of getting back into running, getting back into training, being, being more mindful with bringing maybe that objective awareness to your thoughts and to your emotions while you are running, that's huge. So maybe letting go of all thoughts of pace and distance and focusing more on maybe some low heart rate runs or running mindfully and taking in your surroundings and giving yourself grace in how you feel in the moment based on your current situation. Um, that's been, it's been a game changer for me, but it's also been a game changer for some of the clients that I work with, but also just people that I talk to on Instagram and helping them kind of switch their mindset around running when they come back from that burnout and just the awareness is the, is the big factor and, and mental, the mental strength and the mindset shift. That's, that's huge in all aspects of running, but especially when you're, when you're coming back from that burnout phase. I also like to shift my athletes who are, have experienced or coming back from burnout into running by time instead of distance. Um, because it really, again, you're right. The numbers can, you know, the numbers give us and the numbers take it away in terms of our stress level. And if you're coming from a place where maybe you have taken some time off and objectively you have lost fitness, which is like, I know a lot of runners get concerned about taking time off because they're going to lose fitness. But like, trust me when I say the alternative to not taking time off is worse than the minor loss of fitness you will experience. <laughs> like, I can't even like, oh my God, take the time. Please take the time. Yeah. Do not worry. You will come back. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, running by time. Cause it's, you know, to be, be out there and say, look, you know, Hey, you know, I want you to run for 30 minutes today. I, I don't care how far you go. I don't, you know, I want you to stay in your easy effort zone 30 minutes and then maybe for a long run at 60 minutes or wherever the athlete is in that period of time. But that's a lot different for them to approach than to say, 
I need to run five miles. And then that can be also very anxiety inducing if their pace is different or they have feelings about that distance compared to where they used to be. A lot of things can go into that. Yeah, I agree. And the one book that I read that really helped me, um, it's called Mindful Running. And it, it just talks about how you can really shift that perspective of focusing on distance and pace to focusing on how you're feeling, focusing on time. I've also been focusing on time. And I think sometimes I just do it to kind of um, pinch a nerve in some runners, but I'll post a picture of uh, my watch face and it'll say like 6.97 miles. And really, I didn't look at my watch until after I pushed save. Because I'm not focused on different, on, on, on the number, on the distance, or on the pace. I'm just focused on being out there and honoring my body and how it feels. And like on my long runs, running a certain time. But it, it's not about the distance anymore to me. And I think removing that pressure from the performance and about the prior expectations and goals that you have hit or that you've had, that's that's huge. That's it. it, It's hard. It is very hard. It took a long time to get there, but you can find that joy again in running when you're really running for the joy and the love of it and, and remembering why you run. So you've mentioned this a couple of times about mindful running. Um, do you want to talk more about that? Because I am all for runners becoming more in tune with how they feel on their runs instead of relying on those external metrics that we often use. Yeah. So the biggest thing behind mindful running is really it's, it's focusing on how your body feels and being okay with the thoughts that you're having while you're running but allowing them just to kind of pass through. So you can use this for any stage of your training, any stage of your running, any season of your running. Um, And even if that involves running for your marathon PR, like if you are doing a hard workout and you're like, oh my gosh, this is hard. I don't know if I can hold this pace for another half mile or whatever. Just acknowledge that thought that you have and, and let it pass because your mind is the thing that's holding your back. It's not, it's not your body. Like um, another book that I read is How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald. And he talks about that. Like we have not reached our full potential. Like no human has reached it. So don't place that um, constraint on your body because it's your mind. So it's the, the mindset work is huge, but really focusing on how does it feel? How is running adding to your life? How is it enhancing your life? And remembering why you run. Like if, when you get back to running, if you don't feel like running a certain day, if you're not training for anything, don't push it. (laughs) Like just wait till the next day and run then. But there's a difference between um, feeling pain and just feeling uncomfortable. And when you become more in tune with your body and recognizing what you're feeling, that can be the difference between pushing past something that's you're going to make an injury or something that you can stop before it happens and addressing, okay, this tightness, what is this tightness? Um, But 
also just being aware of your surroundings and kind of getting in that flow state. Like in Mindful Running in the book, she talks a lot about the flow state. And some people describe that as that runner's high. But it's really that feeling of, I don't know, like this heightened awareness, but also kind of like a tunnel vision where you are in your, you are running, but nothing else really matters. You don't really think about anything else. You're just thinking about the moment. And there's a lot of power behind physically and mentally for your body being present in that moment and kind of getting in that meditative state. Like if, if running can be your moving form of meditation, oh, you can move mountains with that. And I think that's the beauty of that mindfulness. It, it takes practice, but just addressing those, acknowledging the thoughts that you have when running and just letting them pass, that uncomfortable feeling of pushing that pace will go away. And when you get to that race, you will be able to handle that feeling a lot better. And you may not even recognize that feeling because you've been acknowledging that feeling during your training. And I think that's a powerful thing just about that mindfulness and being okay with those thoughts versus stopping running or being frustrated with having that feeling. I like to say that your brain is not your friend when you run so for the most <laughs> part, because you, you know, your brain is trying to protect you. And even on our best days, we occasionally have thoughts that are like, yeah, I just, maybe if I, what if I just stopped? Like, what if I just stopped running right now? And not as you, so, you know, as you mentioned, the whole point of this is not to have a judgment about the thought yep. or to like believe the thought or to assign value to the thought. So even if you have the thought that it's like, I can't do this. Like that doesn't mean that you can't do that. It means you had a thought. Yeah. Don't freak out. Don't panic. You thought something. It yep. drifted across your head. Let it drift onwards out of your head <laughs> and just keep moving forward. Like it'll be okay. Yep. Yep. 100%. So the hardest part I think for a lot of runners is finding that healthy, sustainable, running is going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life balance when it comes to uh, new runners, especially tend to like pedal to the metal from the very beginning. And sometimes they don't, you know, sometimes they don't get burned out, which is amazing, but they're in this place where they're like always escalating, always escalating what they're doing. And it's important to understand that at the end of the day, running should fit into our lives, not the other way around. So what are some things that we can do to create that sustainable, less likely to burn out from running relationship with the sport? Yeah, again, I think the mindfulness is really important. Focusing on the joys in running that you have and how it makes you feel and how it really adds to your life. But again, you also have to focus on the other things like nutrition and sleep and the rest days and strength training in the mindset work, the, that mental strength, because if you don't focus on those, you're not going to be running for the rest of your life. Like you have to encompass or everything has to be encompassing in order to um, have running be sustainable. So one of the things that I really talk to a lot of runners about is why do you even run? Like what got you started what kept you going 
And it can't be just, I want to see how fast I can run. I want to run a PR in the marathon or the half marathon. Like your why has to be deep. And you can go through the exercise of continuing to ask yourself why. Um, I think it's Tony Robbins that has the exercise of the seven layers deep. And essentially, you ask yourself why you why you run in this case. And you after you answer that, you keep on asking yourself, but why? But why? But why? And that seventh time, that seventh answer, that is your deep rooted why. And that's going to keep you going. And that's going to help you have that long-term approach and really that running lifestyle um, to keep you going and to keep that kind of, I don't like the word balance, but more harmony with running and with life. And another big aspect of this is expressing deep appreciation for running and appreciating it all. Like you have to appreciate the hard days, the bad runs, the the easy, slow pace that runners hate, um, and rest days. Like it, those days make the good runs and the good races and the good days that much better. And I don't think I don't think you can fully enjoy running if you don't like the hard days. If you're only running because you like the good days, I don't know if it's going to be sustainable. Like focusing on what is that, what is that hard day teaching you? Like, what is the lesson that you can take out of that bad run? Like, did you not mentally prepare for it? Or did you have negative thoughts halfway through that you couldn't do this? Like, what are the things that you can pull out of those bad runs or bad races or whatever it is to apply to life because running and life are so parallel. And again, I think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much, but you can learn so much about yourself. And in the past five years of, of my running, I have grown more than I had in the prior 22 years of my life. Um, because there's just, there's, all the qualities that are presented to you when you're running, a lot of them you probably haven't seen before. And again, if you're going to run for life, you have to have another reason than just winning a race or running a PR or beating someone. That's, that's a big one that I see um, in local races, but it's, it's about what you learned along the way. That's, that's, that's the biggest part. Like the journey is the goal. Yep. Yep. And I, I like to say, yes, you're running races and you're crossing finish lines, but those really aren't finish lines. Those are just chapters in your life. Like your finish line is the day that you die. So you have to be, you have to be in it for life. You have to continue to appreciate it all and to focus on the little things that can keep you running until the day that you die. So sometimes it can feel like a full-time job to go through the checklist of all the things that you should do as a runner and be like, I genuinely don't have time to do all the things I know I should be doing. 
the running, the sleeping, the eating properly, the, you know, the foam rolling, the just all the things that add up. Not to say that foam rolling is a necessity. Um, there are, <laughs> I like to do it because it feels good, but I know there's kind of mixed research on it. So if somebody's like, oh, should I be foam rolling? Not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> um, but it can feel like a lot, especially when a lot of uh, runners are confronted with an obstacle, whether it's burnout or just something they're like, oh, I think I need to make some changes and add some stuff into my running training. And then they're like, oh, I need to add three times a week of strength training. I need to get a whole bunch more sleep and I need to totally change my diet. It can be really overwhelming to try to make all those changes drastically all at the same time. But what are some things that runners can do to make the changes, even incremental changes that they need to, to support their actual running in their training. Yeah. So obviously there are different seasons that we have in our lives that allow for more or less of running or all these other things. Um, So in your busier seasons, the number one thing is you have to give yourself grace. Like if, if sleep, if sleep is something that if you have a set amount of time for running and strength training and you're only getting five hours of sleep, you need to shift that and you need to decrease the amount of exercise and movement that you're doing and prioritize that sleep. That was, that was one of my downsides. If I didn't have to sleep, I wouldn't just because I want to do all the things but sleep actually needs to be number one because that's when most of your recovery process takes place, um, not only physically, but mentally. So giving yourself grace in the season of life that you're in and recognizing, okay, I'm, I'm working a lot of hours or I just had a baby or back to school is starting right now and the kids have all these activities. Maybe training for a race isn't for this season of your life, or maybe you just dial it back. And instead of marathon training, you train for a half marathon, or maybe you have been training and life got busier and you need to dial it back a notch. Like that's okay, but you need to be okay with the decision that you made and go all in with it. And the other aspect of that is communicating with your family and setting intentions for the training that you need to do and the family commitments that you have and the time commitments and just recognizing that, okay, what is your number one priority? <laughs> is it your family or is it running? Because finding that the harmony between the two is difficult, but when you have that open line of communication, that helps tremendously in, okay, I need to go do my run after work because I didn't get it done this morning because I was getting the kids ready or whatever. Um, it took longer than normal. Like just communicating with your spouse, your kids, whoever that is, is really important. And the last thing of, of that section is having an open line of communication with your coach. Like if you have a run coach or if you have a strength coach or you're working with a registered dietitian or a life coach or whatever, and you need to dial it back for a few miles a week to get some strength training in because you only have a set amount of time. And right now that's 100% running. Like you need to be able to talk to your coach and I can guarantee that they're probably going to be okay with that. Like 
making that shift in the time that you're spending running versus lifting versus sleeping or whatever that can that can make a big difference in your training but also in staying injury free um so I think that's like the number one thing is having setting the intentions based on the season of life that you're in and having that communication open with your your surrounding people but in terms of how do you do all these things with your training um I think one of the biggest things is building a routine before you start training for something like building a routine in the off season and not starting everything at once. Like you can't start a new nutrition plan and a new strength training plan and getting nine hours of sleep when you've only been getting five for the past couple of years. Like you can't make all these big changes at once because you're just going to burn out from trying to do it all at once. So really starting with, okay, I have been averaging five hours of sleep for the past year, and I'm going to increase it and make it a goal to have maybe six hours of sleep. Like, yes, six hours of sleep is still not ideal, but going from five to six hours is a big change. So just making those small incremental changes in the things that you're already doing is going to help a lot. But habit stacking, that's like my favorite thing to do is what are you already doing, which for pretty much everyone is running. And what can you add in before or after your run that's going to help you? So I know it it really depends on what your goals are, but I actually do my strength training right before my run. I know some people like to wait until afterwards or completely split up the run and the workout but that allowed me to when I first started incorporating that intentional strength training is to have it stack something that I was already used to doing or maybe you're not doing any mobility work and you want to get your mobility work in before or after your run and just start with 10 minutes like it doesn't have to be this huge drastic change to make a difference but you need to start building that habit first in order to make it something that is sustainable. And and after doing if if you're if you're successful with adding in 10 minutes of mobility work after or before your run, maybe increase it to 15 minutes. Maybe increase it increase it to 20 minutes after I don't know, a couple weeks, but it's something that you just have to continually and really gradually increase over time. And I think the key point also is that like, if you only have 10 minutes, do 10 minutes, like that's also fine. It's better than zero minutes. Something is always better than nothing. If somebody says I legitimately only have time to strength train once a week. Awesome. Do that. Do it once a week. That's better than no times a week. You don't have to do it three times a week on the schedule with your hard days and your easy days. Like do it when you can, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be something. Right. And, and get away from the all or nothing approach, because I think, I think a lot of people say, I don't have 30 minutes to strength train. Like I'm not going to do it at all, but maybe they have those 10 minutes or maybe they have 15 minutes or maybe even when they are starting with 100% running and no strength training, but that 100% of running is taking up all of their time. 
you're just making a small switch. So maybe that means running 10 less minutes or one less mile, but that 10 minutes of strength training or mobility work or whatever it is, is going to make a huge difference um, as you continue to make those habit shifts. And I also think your point about sleep is really, really, really important, especially for people who are training for long distance races. And a lot of runners tend to just keep adding mileage, increasing the distance. They go from the half, they go to the full, and then they're kind of like always running marathons and they're getting up at three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, but to get their runs in, of course, because everybody has <laughs> jobs and a family, but then they're going to sleep at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night and they're getting, like you said, five hours of sleep. And like, that's not healthy or sustainable. And I really would like to give a shout out to training well for shorter races because uh, you can put some awesome, awesome training in for a five or a 10K race at good volume, but it's not nearly as much of a time commitment. So if you're like, I, I want to train for something, I don't have time to train for a marathon, train for a shorter distance instead, like shake it up, do something differently. You can like, it's, it's a lot more fun to run fast on your 5k training than it is to get up at four o'clock in the morning on five hours of sleep and run 18 miles before the sun rises. <laughs> and, and that's not sustainable. Like use me as the prime example. Like I was working extreme hours. I got up at 3am every day to get my run in, to get my strength training in. I was working by 7am. I worked through lunch. I took a break for supper and then I worked again. And sometimes I was up until midnight, 1am, 2am. Um, and, and that went on for four to five years. Like I averaged four to five hours of sleep for four to five years and, and my body reached its breaking point. And I didn't, and again, I, I reached that last stage of burnout before I realized what was wrong, but sleep has to be your priority. And, and I, and I actually got a book, it's called why we sleep for Christmas. Um, while I was still working that job and I would not read it. I, I asked for the book, but I would not read it because I didn't want to know what I was doing to my body because I, I had no other option. Like even if I wasn't running, I would still be getting four to five hours of sleep. So actually understanding the importance of sleep is huge. And I, and I don't think a lot of people actually understand that because that's the first thing to get cut out it doesn't even matter if you're a runner or not. Like that's the first thing to go. The first thing to be sacrificed is, is sleep. And, and that's something that I'd like to see changed. And it's also tough too, because as with so many things in running, it's like one time doesn't kill you. Like if you run one long run fasted, like you're it's not going to kill you. You know, yeah. if you do one thing, the one time you do it, like, that's not going to be the thing. It's, it's, it's the accumulation of it's the pattern. And for yep. you, it took years for some yep. people who've been, you know, maybe they have always subsisted on very little sleep and it hasn't been a problem, but things don't become a problem until they become a problem. And if you can look back and say, okay, I know that these things are not ideal, but it's never been a problem for me. It might be that it's never been a problem for you yet. Like it's not yeah. a problem, but it, if you're only getting four hours of sleep and you're training seriously for any sort of running, you know, maybe if you're just even running three or four days a week, cause you like it and you have all the other stuff going on, it's not a problem yet. 
Yeah. And you don't know what's happening on the inside. Like I look back and I can identify really when my body started taking a toll. But if you didn't know what to look for, you wouldn't have seen it. And from the point that my body really shut down, it was a good nine months of when the first symptoms started popping up. But there are symptoms that have really been normalized by society. So it's nothing that the doctors even really thought was a concern. All my tests came back normal. Um, so you don't actually know what's happening on the inside until it comes to the outside or it affects your physical capabilities. So and, when, and what were some of those things when you're looking back or some of the things that you see in the runners that you work with and you're like, that's a sign of burnout. We're on the path. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing, and it doesn't even have to be necessarily related to burnout or someone doesn't have to be burned out, but gut health is the number one thing. Um, food sensitivities are not normal, but they've become normalized and we've been taught to just cut those foods out. So in, it would have been January, 2019 that I all of a sudden had a reaction to peanut butter and that turned out to be all nut butters. And I took a food sensitivity test and they um, told me to eliminate these foods. But after working, first of all, they didn't work. <laughs> um, but after working with a registered dietitian who really specializes in um, female hormones and thyroid health, eliminating those foods actually does more harm to your body than good because in your gut, um, you have all these different gut microbiome or uh, bacteria and they all thrive on different foods. So if you cut out, like I did peanut butter, you're killing off that bacteria that you actually want. And it just, you're not addressing the root cause, which was chronic stress for me. So those symptoms transfer to maybe other foods for you um, or other things. So besides the food sensitivities and um, the, the gut health issues that I recognized, um, I started waking up at 2 a.m. every single day, had no idea why. And I had to take a nap every day at 10 a.m., and 2 p.m. because I got what felt like hot flashes. And weight gain is a huge one that I saw in myself and in other runners when I was eating all whole foods. Like I hadn't started training, mar I hadn't started marathon training yet. Um, but I was eating very, very clean and I was eating as I always had been to fuel my body. And out of nowhere, this weight gain started and it just doesn't make sense. So for all of these things, and there were like 20 other things that started happening, but um, the, the gut health is like the number one thing that I see and just cutting out those foods isn't really helping because it's not addressing, again, that root cause of, okay, why are you actually burned out? Or why are you feeling this way? Like you have to get to what's actually causing that. Yeah, sudden changes in you, in your body, in your functioning, 
that aren't like nothing's changed all of a sudden something's changed in you like you said like nothing to change but all of a sudden you were allergic to nut butter mm-hmm. it doesn't usually happen in your late 20s that you like all of a sudden become allergic to nut butter like yeah. <laughs> or whatever the thing is yeah. pay attention to what's normal and what's not like listen to your body listen to that little voice inside your head that says i think something's wrong yeah you know yourself better than anybody and sometimes you just have to like listen to that voice and say you know what i think something might be wrong Yep. And the, I guess the other thing that was like extremely sudden was my perceived effort and my heart rate. So my resting heart rate used to be 45 and I, it was hard for me to get my heart rate up extremely high during a workout just because my endurance level was so high and my recovery was very good. But I woke up one morning and it was like 70, 75, and I averaged 80 for over a year before I actually figured out what was wrong. But to wake up one morning and to have my runs feel awful and like an easy run, like I had to stop and I had to, I just start walking, which should not have happened with where I was at with running. Um, but the heart rate is something that I see that's very common in the perceived effort. Like, oh my gosh, my run, all my runs feel hard. Like if all your runs feel hard, if it's a, it's a daily thing. If it's consistent, you have to, you have to figure out, okay, what is, what is going on? And, and a lot of times you have to be your own advocate. Like I had tons of lab work done. I, I run with a cardiologist and and she looked at my lab test that my doctor took on my cortisol levels, but there's two types of um, measurements for cortisol and the cortisol measuring that they had was completely fine. But the one that my registered dietitian took was not fine. And that is what told the story and really started helping us figure out everything that was wrong. So even if even if you get tests taken and they come back within range or, or your doctor says that they're normal, like, you know, your body best. And especially if you're in tune with in your body, as I was like, you know, when something's wrong and you have to continue to fight for that because you get one body, you get one life. You cannot mess up on that. Um, so if you have that, again, that strong why on why you run and and why you choose this lifestyle, like you just have to keep pushing forward. You have to be relentless about your health and your wellness and, and that's mental and physical. Yeah. Running is like 90% mental or physical and 50% (laughs) mental. Like, I mean, the more, and the more that I run, the more that I'm like, I'm pretty sure that this is all mental at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Because it matters. It's important. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how fit you are. If your perceived effort, if what you believe you can do doesn't match up with what your body is capable of doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I see so many runners with so much potential, but they lack that belief in themselves. And that belief can stem from their personal life, their career. Like it all is intertwined. And so you have to work on all aspects of it. Absolutely. Just a little bit. If you have 10 minutes, just do it 10 minutes at a time. (laughs) Yep. 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 (laughs) 
Jackie, this has been so informative. I hope that this conversation has helped some people who might be wondering if some of the things that they're experiencing, or maybe even they're looking back and saying, oh my God, I think that was burned out last year. Um, Hopefully it can help them become more educated about burnout and some of the things that are normal versus not normal as they go through their running journey. But you are, you are a coach. Um, Tell us about your coaching and if you're accepting new clients and how we can find you. Yeah. So I actually have my website, Jackie Wilson runs. Um, And again, I focus on like everything that we were talking about today. I focus on all the other aspects of running. I haven't really done a lot of the run coaching per se, because I just have this huge passion for raising awareness around the nutrition and the strength training and the mindfulness approach of running and focusing on mindset um, that that's really where my passion lies. So that's what I help my runners with. Um, and it's, it's incredible to watch my clients progress through the process of incorporating these little things that they didn't think would make a difference, like eating before you run, especially for female runners. And I know you have so many posts about that, about fasted running. And I'm like, preach to the choir because I love it so much, but really just educating people and really just pushing them to be their best advocate. And if they're interested in something or something isn't right, or even if they're just loving something to do more research on it, to understand the root of it, to understand the why don't just take something for their word. Like don't just, because I tell you not to run fasted, don't just start not running fasted, like actually understand what it's doing for you. Because I find that when my clients understand why they're doing these little things, why they're refueling after a run or a workout, why they're eating more than 1200 calories or whatever, while they're marathon training, that makes the biggest difference for them. And that becomes sustainable for them. That's something that they can continue and do continue for the rest of their life. And as they go through these different stages um, and different seasons of their life, they can still incorporate these things while still having that ebb and flow of the training and the life harmony aspects of it. to really just continue to find that joy, not only in running, but in life. And I think having that harmony is extremely important. So that's a little bit about what I do is just focusing on all the other things, as I like to call it. I love that. All the things, all the other things. (laughs) Um, That's fantastic. And that is such a a crucial piece of it too. I'm also all about the why. Maybe that's the whole point of what I do. I'm like, maybe people understood the like the why behind it, they would actually take it seriously. Yeah. Because it's one thing to be told to do something, it's nothing to understand the reasoning behind it. Because yeah. people, you know, and have done a podcast about this and had other posts about it too, but it's like people understood what fasted running did, what what happens when cortisol is elevated in your body, when that's good and when that's bad. Like, oh okay, I don't want to run fasted. That makes sense to me. Um all about that why. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, Well, I'm going to link to Jackie's website and Instagram account in the show notes. If you want to find her, follow her, work with her. And thank you for your time. I'm glad you're on the path back from burnout. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This is absolutely amazing talking about it. Um, It's just 
Oh, it fuels my soul. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find me on Instagram at Running Explained or at my website, runningexplained.co. If you have a question you'd like to have answered, you can submit it in my stories every Monday or email me at elizabeth at runningexplained.co. That's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H at runningexplained.co. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.